Hannah Staver, and this is Ohio Politics Explained, a podcast where you give us 15 minutes and we give you all the news you need to sound smart and impress your friends when you go out this weekend. Welcome back to a special episode of Ohio Politics Explained. Today, we're deep diving into the train derailment in East Palestine. On February 3rd, a Norfolk Southern train carrying hazardous materials derailed just outside the village of East Palestine near the Ohio-Pennsylvania border. The crash resulted in a chemical spill and a decision to burn off some of those hazardous materials rather than risk their explosion. More than two months have passed since the accident, and the mission has moved from containment into cleanup, water testing, and long-term recovery. Today on OPE, we have Alan Shaw, the CEO of Norfolk Southern, and he's here to talk about what happened and what the future looks like for the people of East Palestine. So thank you so much for joining me. It's my pleasure, Anna. Thank you. Let's start back at the day of the crash. So where were you? What were you doing? Like, how did you hear about it? I was, we're headquartered in Atlanta. So I was in Atlanta and I was immediately notified by our operations team. And so at some point in those early hours and days, conversations started to sort of controlled burn of the vinyl chloride that was on board. How did you make that decision? Who did you work with? How did you guys reach that conclusion? In Norfolk Southern is part of Unified Command and it was Unified Command under the leadership of the incident commanders, Fire Chief Drabeck, who ultimately made that decision. And it's, you know, you you have to, before you do anything, you have to recognize the heroism of the first responders who rushed to the scene. There were dozens of fire departments from Ohio and Pennsylvania and West Virginia who went to the scene. I sincerely appreciate everything they did for the citizens of East Palestine. I was on the ground and a part of Unified Command and the discussion at that point was there was some concern that the pressure relief valves in the cars, which are not owned by Norfolk Southerns, had failed. And so there was concern that the cars had been sitting in a pool fire, pressure was building up in the cars, and there was concern of an uncontrolled catastrophic explosion, which could conceivably shoot shrapnel and vinyl chloride gas throughout the community. And so Unified Command, which included the National Guard, federal, state, and local agencies, the mayor, the fire chief, Governor DeWine was there and showed great leadership through this process. And he was in direct contact with Governor Shapiro. The decision was made to do the controlled burn. We had air monitoring set up within an hour or two of the derailment. And outside of the evacuation zone, throughout this entire process, including through the vent and burn, all the tests came back and showed that the air was safe to breathe and the water safe to drink. So the vent and burn, while I was there, I saw it and I know what it looked like. It was, yeah. it was, it was terrifying, right? It was traumatic. And I, I hope I never see anything like that again. But it ultimately, it was the right decision because the air is safe to breathe and the water is safe to drink. So once that initial danger had passed, everyone started pivot to clean up, obviously. And, you know, let's start with protecting the water. So there's the municipal water, the well water, and the Ohio River. And they were the big priorities. And some questions were raised about the initial samples taken by a company you hired. I guess, do you stand by those results? And how does water monitoring continue? Or what does it look like going forward? Yeah, you know, water monitoring is being done by federal, state, and local agencies. There are independent tests. They've come back and shown that the water is safe to drink, and they continue to test the water in the Ohio River. And, yeah, all the way down to Cincinnati, they're still testing. Right, and it continues to show that it's safe. And we've seen some, the hellbender salamanders are starting to return to the area, which I think is a really good ecological sign. 
Let's touch on the soil next. So the dirt underneath the tracks has been removed, but that wasn't actually a requirement. So how did that decision get made? It got made by listening. You know, I've been there. I was there in the immediate aftermath. I've been there almost every week since. And as I've gone to the community, I've been holding listening sessions and I've been in churches and I've been in schools and I've been in businesses and I've been in folks' homes. And I'm asking them, what does Norfolk Southern need to do to make it right? Because that's been our North Star ever since this started is we're going to make it right. And that means the environment, that means community assistance, that means investments in helping East Palestine thrive, that means me personally taking an industry-leading position in rail safety. As I've talked to folks in the, the listening sessions, they said they, they didn't like the fact that we were leaving the soil underneath the track. Now, we had an environmentally accepted remediation plan to do that. But as I got that feedback, I listened. And mm-hmm. I went back to my team and I said, come up with something else. we got to have a different plan because the, the folks in East Palestine don't like this. And I've made my own personal commitment that we're going to do what's right. And so we came up with a plan to remove the soil underneath each of our two tracks. We're delivering on our promise. And just this late last week, one of those tracks was restored to service. And now we're starting on the second track. And so far, we've removed 25,000 tons of soil and 12 million gallons of water from the area. And we're going to continue to do what's right. Where does that go? Just out of curiosity, like when you truck all of this out, where does it go? You know, there are EPA approved landfills that are specifically designed to handle this type of material and have been handling this type of stuff for for decades. And the area around East Palestine is a big agricultural community. So what are you guys doing to help farmers and ranchers and those folks just check on their soil? I know there was some concern during the controlled burn that perhaps like particles got out. You know, one of the things that we've done for all the businesses, um, including agriculture and the farmers, is we've gone to them and asked what we can do to help. And so you've seen us buy eggs from farmers or just around Valentine's Day, you The purchases of flowers around Valentine's Day was severely depressed because it was in the immediate aftermath. And you can imagine how important Valentine's Day is to a flower shop. Oh, it's like Black Friday. (laughs) So one of our employees had this brilliant idea uh, to buy 100 arrangements from that flower shop. And he did that. And then we personally delivered that to area retirement communities, which provided a lift for the flower shop and provided a lift for the the retirement communities. With respect to the soil, I've visited with a number of farmers, um, and so I know how important that is. It is a a thriving agricultural area. And so under EPA oversight, there is broad soil testing going on for both agricultural and residential and commercial uses. So I want to pivot to talking about how we could prevent this in the future. So Ohio put two rail safety changes into its recently passed transportation budget. One would require notifying state officials when a rail car carrying hazardous materials passes through the state. And the other was this requirement for two-person teams. So where do you come down on both of those ideas? You know, there, there are a lot of bills out there to enhance rail safety. And the Vance Brown bill and the Johnson Sykes bill mm-hmm. are two great examples. And I've, I've personally been in D.C. offering my full-throated endorsement for many aspects of those bills. I'm committed to taking an industry-leading position in advancing rail safety. Last year, the number of derailments on Norfolk Southern was the lowest in the last two decades. We can get better. Last year, the number of the employee injury rate on Norfolk Southern was the lowest in the last decade. We can get better. 
Last year, the number of train accidents in Ohio was down 40%. We can get better. So I'm I'm going to support a lot of these provisions in these bills where it's it's clear that it advances safety. So things like uniform tank car standards you might be in support of. Tighter tank car standards, more funding for first responders, more funding for hotbox detector technology. And you guys have added more hotbox detectors, correct? Onto your own rail lines. Yeah, we, we had already had generally the closest spacing of hotbox detectors in the industry across our network. But in the immediate aftermath of this, I asked our team to double down on that. And so we're, we added about 25%. So our spacing will be even closer. And as you can imagine, two of the first ones that we set up are on the east side and the west side of East Palestine. And for those who don't know, just really quickly, those hot buck des- detectors are the thing that will tell you if the rail car, the wheels, right, are overheating. Correct. That's basically what it is. Yes, they, they measure the temperature of the wheels as the, the train passes by. And the accident obviously put rail safety at the forefront of many American minds. But like you said, accident tracking shows that in general, the railroads are getting safer. But, you know, we've heard from some unions who say this is kind of a critical tipping point. They're claiming that staffing is down and pressure for speed is up and that the risks of these changes haven't been fully reflected in those accident statistics. So I guess, are those concerns misplaced? And like, what reassurances can you offer folks in Ohio that are they in danger because they live near a railroad track? You know, I've I've been CEO of Norfolk Southern less than a year. Uh And I announced the new strategic plan last year when I became CEO, which is a longer-term focus and investment in our network and in our communities and our customers. We've got 2,700 employees who live in Ohio, and we have 1,500 customers who operate in Ohio. Ohio is really important to us. We invested over $210 million in Ohio just last year. My first day as CEO at Norfolk Southern, I was in Conneaut, Ohio, talking to our crew employees and thanking them for what they do for Norfolk Southern and what they do for our customers and what they do for the U.S. economy. And over the last year, because of my direction, we've added 1,500 employees to Norfolk Southern. We are actively hiring. And you guys have announced a six-point safety plan. Can you tell me a little bit about that and what's in it? Yeah, it was as CEO, I think about safety each and every day. And I'm always asking my team, how do we get better? How do we improve? And as soon as we got the results, preliminary results of the NTSB's investigation into the accident at East Palestine, we implemented a six-point safety plan, which included more hotbox detectors. It included a putting up a machine visioning portal, train inspection portal, right outside of East Palestine, something that we'd been working on with the Georgia Tech Research Institute. So there are a number of factors in play, a number of things that we did. Those are just two examples. We're not waiting to act to get the final NTSB report. We're focused every day on improving safety. So long term, two of the concerns in East Palestine seem to be their property values and the survival of local businesses. So you talked a little bit about the flowers, but what is Norfolk Southern doing uh, big picture for folks who may be worried like that they can't sell their home or that like is now a good time to open a business in this community? You know. We want East Palestine to thrive. Mm-hmm. We're investing in that. And that's that's one of the things that I'm doing in my listening sessions is I'm asking families and community leaders and faith-based leaders and the school officials, what do we need to do to help East Palestine thrive? And we're acting upon that. We've already committed over $30 million to the community. I committed almost $450,000 of my own to the school system. That's how personally engaged and personally involved 
I am in this. We are working at the direction of the Attorney General Yost on three long-term funds or three things that folks said they're really important to them. It's water monitoring, it's healthcare costs, and it's property valuations. And so we're um, we're working with Attorney General Yost as key stakeholders and experts on setting up longer-term funds to cover just that. Another thing that is, is really important to the community is the park. You know, when you go to East Palestine, one of the first times I, I went, some of the folks there took me to their park. It's 81 acres. It's, it's in the middle of town. It's, it's a beautiful park, and it draws folks four seasons out of the year from not only East Palestine, but surrounding communities. And so we just recently announced a significant investment to enhance the park, and we've hired a master planner, and we're working with the city officials or the community officials on the right investments to make, but we're, we're going to invest in East Palestine to help it thrive. And that kind of tees up my very last question, which is, when will your work in East Palestine be done? Do you have a goal or a set of goals that will indicate your mission is accomplished? When East Palestine thrives, you know, I'm going to see this through. And each and every day, we're going to take the next right step. And we're going to see it through no matter what happens and no matter what it takes. Well, thank you so much for taking time to talk with us. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Ohio Politics Explained is brought to you by the USA Today Network Ohio Bureau. You can find us on Twitter at Ohio Explained. And if you want to learn more about any of the topics we covered, check us out online at any of the newspapers in our network, like the Telegraph Forum in Bucyrus. Their website is BucyrusTelegraphForum.com. That's B-U-C-Y-R-U-S Telegraph Forum.com. Telegraph Forum.com.